Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. We are preparing for our last Sunday without NFL football, and we could not do it without welcoming back Merrick Brave. Thank you all for tuning into another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. Gentlemen, the Dolphins have a, an official 53-man roster. How we feel? We feel all right. We feel all right. It's not as beefy as we thought maybe it would be when we thought we were going to add a former All-Pro running back yesterday, uh, you know, at this mythical trade deadline that the Colts were imposing on the Miami Dolphins. But then after today, when the news came out that Colts owner Jim Ursay was asking for the moon, the sun, the stars, and Jalen Waddell, of all players, <laughs> uh, I think we understand why this deal didn't get done. Am I right, fellas? Yeah, 100%. I mean, no one wants to give up Jalen Waddle. I think Chris Greer even said, you know, any anybody can call him. I'm telling him Waddle's not he available. Was so, yeah, he was laughing. So, I mean, credit to Ursay, right, for shooting for the moon, I guess. But it was what, Waddle and a player, too, on top of that? I mean, that's Jalen Waddle. You're asking for a top 10 wide receiver uh, for a guy that you've already said that, you know, isn't worth the money. And, you know, the NFL and the league won't even remember if he rode off into the sunset. So, Oof, quite man. the trade negotiation the tactic. God, you know, and that's why I always go back to the idea. Like, Stephen Ross, he says some stupid stuff, but he has never, like, okay, yeah, he lost the first-round pick. I'd actually say this is probably yeah, as close as us. he's gotten to pulling an say, but, but just the lack of foresight to come out and say, we aren't paying this guy. He doesn't deserve a contract. And then say he's worth Jalen Waddle. That is, that, that is absolutely bananas to me. And it's just, it's a very strange situation. We got Pat McAfee trying to explain how Jalen Waddle is, is worth it in that deal after he spent months, you know, also saying that, you know, Jonathan Taylor running back so matter. It's, it's very interesting just to kind of go day by day, just to see this pendulum swing. And it's not hard to kind of discover why we're where we're at. Yeah, and, and to add Jonathan Taylor, that would have been awesome. But then you you run into the you know the conundrum of paying another player big money at a position where the Dolphins haven't traditionally, at least in the last few years, invested heavily. And that's the running back position. So instead, you're rolling with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., um, Chris Brooks, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent who has made the roster, and then Devon A-Chain, um, you know, he's got his little shoulder issue, but but he's still here. And then Savan Ahmed. So uh, actually five running backs on the roster right now, including Alec Ingold. Uh, he'll make sixth as a fullback. Uh, and Dolphins are sitting pretty at the running back position, at least in my eyes. Would it have been cool to add Jonathan Taylor? Absolutely. But uh, he's not here. He's a cult for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't think he's happy about it. If you look at some of the likes he's been putting out there on the app, formerly known as Twitter, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if we're done with Jonathan Taylor as Miami Dolphins fans. Um, we might revisit this maybe mid season, depending on how things are going, or you might revisit this next year in the off season ahead of the 2024 season when Jonathan Taylor could potentially be a free agent. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to give Chris credit credit. And I guess Mike McDaniel as well, you know, for kind of sticking to their guns. I mean, they've called about all these running backs, right? I mean, I have written down here, I was going to talk about the running backs. So I don't even know if you guys want me just to jump right into that. But the fact that Jonathan Taylor, you know, it was a nice thing, you know, they kudos to Chris Greer for at least swing for the fences, but um, we'll revisit this thing. I think Indianapolis Colts should have capitalized when they had the chance because um, he's pissed off, you know, his trade value is probably not going to be any better than it was. So um, I don't know what the Colts are doing, but that's Jim Irsay, right? 
Josh, let's let's get right into it then. You know, you want to tease it? We're going to get right into it. So we're under the impression that the Dolphins have established their running back group. I, I want to shout out Miles Gaskin. He got another job. He's with the Minnesota Vikings. I picked him up right away on fantasy. He is not going to start over Alexander Madison, but I will tell you right now, I do think there's a shot for Miles Gaskin to, we'll be sitting here like week 13 and be like, Miles Gaskin starting? I, I'm telling you right now, that is definitely something <laughs> that can happen. One of the things we wanted to go through today, gentlemen, was some position groups that kind of raised our eyebrow a little bit now that we have a full 53-man roster. You know, even when there's 90 players, you get an idea of, all right, we know 80% of who's going to be cut. But that 20%, there is a huge embrace debate opportunity. So, Joshua, how about you get us started? Yeah, maybe it's just because I'm just filled with copium, you know, right now, just sitting here, just trying to find the good in all this. But I, I feel like what we saw of this running back unit throughout preseason was pretty good. And I don't want to sit here and say the Dolphins don't need a Jonathan Taylor. They don't need a Dalvin Cook, a Saquon Barkley, a Josh Jacobs, Jingleheimer Smith, you know, all the different guys that they called about. I'm not saying that at all, but I think this running back unit, you know, combined has some talented pieces. You look, Raheem Mostert had his career best 891 yards last season. Jeff Wilson was up there too when you combine um, his totals from San Francisco and with Miami. And then, you know, they drafted De uh, Devon A. Chain High. You know, he's a guy that we all were excited about. And then there's Salvin Ahmed. I mean, he looks like, honestly, maybe arguably the best back in this backfield. You know, at least if preseason was any, yeah, yeah, preseason was any testament to that. So, you know, I would have loved Jonathan Taylor, you know, if I got off our phone and we sit here and post this podcast and the tray goes down, I'm going to do a Willy Wonka heel click, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And when you have all those weapons on the outside, like a Waddle, uh, Tyree Kill, you know, the different pieces, you know, that are continued to build into this offense. I don't think that you need that elite running back. What you need is just to commit to it. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, we talked about before, Jake, throughout the preseason, you saw Mike McDaniel commit to that run game. Um, third in the NFL, 165 yards per game. So um, commit to the run game, give all these guys an opportunity. And then I got to mention Chris Brooks. I mean, we want to talk about some undrafted acorns throughout this podcast. This guy has run hard all preseason. And um, honestly, he earned that roster spot. If or not, the Dolphins, you know, decide maybe to cut him and try to stash him on a practice squad for someone else. Uh, we'll see how that falls. But as of now, he's on the roster and he deserved it because he was running hard. And um, he's that Thor. He's that Thunder Jake that I always talk about. I love it. I love it. Merrick, I want to ask you, I think the issue with the Dolphins last year, they were a bottom five rushing team and it had nothing to do with um, the quality of the carries. I think both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert were ranked top 15 in the NFL in terms of yards per carry. What we see now is them just dedicating more time to the run. You know, last year we had Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill being more than 50% of the offense. Odds are that's going to be kind of close again this year as it should be. But how do you see this playing out? Because I look, I want to start at the end and then we'll work our way up, but, but Chris Brooks, you know, you think about the dolphins keeping five running backs. How on earth does this guy see the field? I like Chris Brooks. I think Chris Brooks, he's your, your power back. I think he's your short yardage guy. I think he could be used in goal line situations. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and this could depend on the health of, of some of the other guys. I think they like Jeff Wilson in kind of that, that power role too. I think he's more of a hybrid and give you a little bit of both, a little bit of that mm -hmm. speed agility, and then also that power. And it could come down to some injuries to some of those top guys and we'll knock on wood and hope that doesn't happen. But Chris Brooks has looked good this preseason. Like I said, he could be more of that goal line situation type guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he saw himself with five touchdowns at the end of this season. And we're all sitting here going, all right, the Dolphins did it again. They found themselves a, an un, undrafted free agent acorn, uh, so to speak. So I think you could see him in that role. Um, you know, 
we'll see what his his pass protection is like out there. Uh, but I guess that's kind of the silver lining in this Jonathan Taylor deal is that now you get to use a hybrid of of or a stable of running backs. I should stay should say instead of just kind of dedicating you know, every carry, every touch to one dude, and then having kind of like a change of pace guy come in every now and again, you get to see the Dolphins rotate guys in and out and give the opposing defenses different looks. And I like what Chris Brooks brings to the room, and I'll be excited when he takes the field this season. Josh, I want to ask you too, because Merritt brings up a great point. There's an obvious skill set with someone like Chris Brooks. My concern, though, is does he really have an opportunity to succeed and develop a role if he's that third down short yardage guy, if he's that red zone guy? That means the opposing defenses are going to know what he's doing when he's on the field. Do you think he has that skill set where maybe that first play could be a fake and him still be involved in the play or still have an opportunity to have a role? Because I think that's where my concern is. I do see like a Lusaka play uh, role right away, but I mean, I don't know if that's worth keeping a, a, a pseudo second fullback, I guess. I do, and the fact that you're sitting here saying that, though, you would hope that Mike McDaniel, you know, is thinking the same thing. And, you know, okay, so the defense coordinator thinks we're going to run this ball right here on this, you know, fourth and one from the goal line. We're going to obviously run a play action or whatnot. And you have already seen Chris Brooks, you know, showing that he can catch a football a bit, right, and make some plays in that aspect. So um, I hesitated to tweet it out, but I was going to joke that, you know, for so many years, all we wanted was Dan Marino to have a run game, that, and that's probably what would have pushed him to a Super Bowl. He could have any of these running backs on his uh, roster, you know, those rosters that were competing back then, you know, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Chris Brooks, uh, Salvin Ahmed, and and they probably would have uh, gave Dan Marino a ring. So um, I think we can sit here and all be bummed and Eeyore around the house. That's what I've been doing all day, you know, just kind of sulking and being all <laughs> bummed out that we didn't get Jonathan Taylor. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins kept those draft picks, kept – you know, kept that cap space to hopefully use on a Christian Wilkins or whatnot. And now we're going to see what this stable can do because it's the NFL nowadays, man. 2023, you need a stable of running backs. And the Dolphins got a stable and a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things. The one thing about Salvan Ahmed that stood out right away was the big plays, right? I think he had a 40-something yard run during the preseason. And ripping off plays like that is how you develop a greater role. So, Merrick, I want to ask you and I want to – I want us to really refine this take here because I'm going to ride with Josh on this. Would it be crazy if we're sitting here week 16 and, and all of a sudden Salvan Ahmed is the lead back for the Dolphins just because maybe he's just a bit younger, a bit fresher. He knows the system that burst is going to be there. I mean, Raheem Mostert was awesome at the end of the year last year, but I wonder if they're going to kind of play it by ear in terms of, all right, early in the season, someone might get worn down and, and we start kind of rotating a little bit that way. Certainly possible. I mean, Savan Ahmed, he had limited touches last year, but when he did touch the ball, he did something with it. You know, uh, he has had some electric plays in a Miami Dolphins uniform uh, and he's had some electric plays recently in a Dolphins uniform. He has had himself a really good preseason for the Miami Dolphins. He beat out Miles Gaskin for one of those last roster spots, at least in the running back room. Uh, and they're keeping him here for a reason. So like you said, he's younger pressure legs uh the older guys you know they they tend to get banged up it's a long season so if you're telling me week 16 Savan Ahmed is the leading rusher for the Miami Dolphins at least for week 16 I can buy that I can buy that for sure it's just, he seems like that fun wild card doesn't he Josh 
Yeah, I mean, I we joke he kind of looked like Barry Sanders a little bit, right? Well, no, I guess I said Devon Chain, and then he got hurt the next day. So I'm going to stop calling people Barry Sanders. But uh, <laughs> he had some wiggle to him. And, I mean, it's funny how some people at camp, you know, we're getting him and Devon Chain con- confused, right? Their speeds are so much um, – I don't want to say Devon Chain's that next level, but he kind of is that next gear. And the fact that they were getting these two guys confused is a testament to how good Salvin Ahmed has become. I mean, it seems like every year he does get better, so – um, it won't surprise me at all if at some point this season he's that fantasy darling that, you know, you start in DFS one week and win millions of dollars, Scrooge McDuck style. So much happens in an 18-week regular season. Uh, what would you say the percent chance is that Salvan Ahmed has, touches the ball more uh, often than Devon Achain? I'd go as far to say 60-40. I think Salvan Ahmed might might touch the ball more than Achain this year. 69, yeah. Nice. Oh, you're 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 um Selvan Ahmed too. You you think he'll out touch uh, A chain? I, I think so. I'm starting to get worried. You hear all the preseason hype about A chain, but you know he's already banged up a little bit. I mean, he's going to be that return man. I mean, they really don't have a reason to utilize him except in those packages that are you know made for him. And Selvan Ahmed's look so damn good. I mean, um, I'll say 69 just to be funny. I don't know though. I'd like to see Devon A chain earn them reps. You would like to see a chain kind of kind of take over here. He it, it's his rookie year. The Dolphins Dolphins have him uh, under a cheap contract for the next four seasons. Clearly, Mike McDaniel is a big fan of a chain. At least he was uh, during his college years because he was super jazzed up about the pick. He wanted them to take him in the second round, but Chris Greer said, "Hey, you know, you know, chill out on that. We'll get him in the third. They did, and McDaniel was visibly excited for that. Now a chain's a little banged up. But in addition to him being a little banged up, did anyone check his yards per carry numbers in the preseason? Was it like two? I think it might have been two. I, I, I think it's three, like 3.3 somewhere oh. around there. Like, that's not great. That's not very good. And and when you look at some of those reps, he wasn't very patient on those carries. He kind of ran into bodies a little bit quicker than, than you'd want him to if he was just a little more patient. He took an extra half second uh, and waited for the hole to open up. There were some running lanes for Devon Aitchie. So that's classic rookie struggles for running backs in the NFL. They're excited. They want to make things happen. Um, And he's just got to get a little more patient uh, in that backfield. So I think I'm still riding with Devon A-Chain if it's between A-Chain and Ahmed. And I think A-Chain will have more touches than Ahmed by the end of the year, just because Mike McDaniel really wants this pick to work out. I just wanted to say the way, you know, A-Chain was running at times. It almost seemed like when you play mad and you take that hand off and you immediately hold in the speed burst button and just kind of run into <laughs> yes. the back of the line or the defender. That's kind of what he was doing. Yeah, that it, that's actually a great uh, analogy there. That That's pretty much exactly what it looked like. Sticking with the offensive side of the football, guys, one position that really stood out to me, and I don't know if it's just um, I like hearing myself speak or what, but, you know, I, I did the roster breakdown with Cat. And I looked at the position groups and I thought, you know, there'd be a legitimate chance that for one reason or another, the Dolphins would keep two tight ends. Things might change as guys are going on IR today. Uh, but I'm curious to get your guys' thought because, I mean, Durham Smythe is that guy, right? He, I've seen him get clobbered play after play and he still just gets up, lines back up. He'll be that solidified blocking tight end, maybe average nine yards per catch. Uh, but then I think it's undrafted free agent Julian Hill, who is also um, – made the roster as tight end, not really someone you can plug in and, and trust opening day or something like that. So what are your guys' thoughts there? Yeah, that, that was actually a little surprising to me. We later found out Eric Saubert's got himself an injury. He's going on IR. Um, Chris Greer said today 
that he doesn't think it's season ending for Eric Saubert, but he wasn't 100% sure. He knew Keon Crossan wasn't going to play for the team this year. Apparently a freak injury he suffered at practice yesterday. So, you know, there's that uh, injury bug striking the defensive back room once again. But, you know, Eric Saubert's a little banged up right now, so he doesn't make the team. Tyler Croft gets re-signed. So now Tyler Croft is is back on the team. Um, but I'm intrigued with Julian Hill. I really am. Uh, he... He's a big guy. I, be, I believe the Dolphins have him listed at 6'4", 251. Um, so this isn't your your tight end, uh, your wide receiver to tight end convert like Elijah Higgins was supposed to be before uh, you know he went to the Cardinals yesterday. And like Tanner Connor is kind of becoming as well, the, this wide receiver to tight end convert. Julian Hill, uh, he actually played quarterback in, in high school. I just was doing a little research on him before we started recording. So maybe some trick plays coming for the Dolphins with Julian Hill at the, the QB spot. That could be interesting. But he's a big dude, 6'4", 251, blocks well, plays aggressive, uh, and you need that. In a McDaniel offense, in a, in a Shanahan-style run system, you need tight ends who block. Julian Hill can fit that role. And uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what his snap count is for the Dolphins this season and, and see if he can contribute as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I feel like it speaks volumes about what they think about him, right? The fact that they've kept, you know, that number of tight ends on the roster. I mean, I, I do think that he will win some of those reps and you hope that he can be an asset in the run game as well. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but sitting there watching Steelers highlights, you see Darnell Washington open up these huge holes, man. And he's just like this anchor, this sixth offensive lineman. Um, so you want that in this offense. I think one thing that's kind of been debunked by now, though, and i am got egg on my face, but we kept thinking, you know, they need a tight end for this offense to work. They need a tight end, no specific, you know, Kittle, sort of speak. I don't know that they do, right? We kind of seem like Mike McDaniel's going to figure it out as he goes. So they feel confident in Durham Smythe because he can do a little bit of everything, you know, adequately. And then Julian Hill's going to get some of those reps. And you mentioned Tyler Croft coming back. So um, would like to see someone emerge there. But the fact that Julian Hill made the 53-man roster over a guy like Elijah Higgins, you know, that's speaks volumes about what they think about him. And you saw a little bit of it throughout the preseason. This might sound a little overreactish, but I could genuinely believe if the fact Julian Hill played quarterback in high school was the difference maker here. You know, we've spent the entire offseason talking about, all right, you know, rookie tight end, slow your roll. They have to learn a lot in terms of um, being a blocker, you know, catching the football. But a quarterback has to have a, a general knowledge of the offense as a whole. So I'm just curious if maybe having him approach the game from a different aspect for a few years maybe help them pick it up a little quicker. And all of a sudden he does see that pathway to, you know, see some sort of snaps as a rookie. Merrick, what would those snaps be? Do you think Is it simply, you know, the two tight, uh, two tight end sets in the red zone, and then you get the all alone tight end in the red zone. Is, is that kind of where he'd begin? You feel? Yeah, I think, I think that's where you'd see him start out, especially with a veteran like Durham Smythe leading the tight end room. You know, he's been a dolphin for a long while and the dolphins thought enough of him to re-sign him to an extension while letting Mike Kosicki walk and, and sign with the New England Patriots. So they they certainly like Durham Smythe, and I still expect him to lead the Dolphins' tight ends in snaps. But I think you're right, Jake. I think in two tight end sets, you could see Julian Hill get out there. Uh, and then, you know, these wild formations that Mike McDaniel likes to do. Could you see Julian Hill line up in the backfield? 
you know, and maybe that's just a decoy to, to keep somebody down in the box a little bit closer. And then Julian Hill with the big body he's got and his aggressiveness as a blocker, he could just stay in to, to block on a pass play here, but who knows? He could be, you know, the dolphins love doing those tight end QB sneaks. Maybe Julian Hill with the, his big frame could be the new, uh, the new tight end sneak specialist who knows. Uh, but it, it seems like he's a little bit of a Swiss army knife can do a little bit of everything kind of well. And, and we'll see if his role grows as the season moves on. Yeah. And let's not forget. I mean, they're still churning the roster. I mean, they could still, you know, poach a tight end off someone's practice squad or some vet gets released that, you know, they've had familiarity with in the previous years. So there's always that option. Then Alec Ingold, a guy that, you know, can kind of sneak in there a little bit. So um, I'm intrigued to see what Mike McDaniel has up his sleeves. I mean, they got to have some type of plan, right? I mean, Durham Smythe, Julian Hill, Tyler Croft. I mean, unit looks much different than it did last season, but maybe that's a good thing. Speaking to that, I mean, there's no featured player in that tight end room. Do you guys think our um, opinion of Durham Smythe, good or bad, will change by the end of the season? I don't think so. I you think you think you're gonna feel better about him by the end of the year, Josh? Like you feel like he'll be worthy. Like another way to word this, you feel like by the end of the year we'll be arguing he deserves a higher Madden grade than what he's got. Oh yeah, it's kind of what. Yeah, because I think he's going to show an element where he's going to be that safety blanket in the middle, you know, and Tua needs that, you know, completion over the middle. And I think, um, you know, I already kind of feel like he's, you know, he goes out there and busts his ass. He can run block. He can do a little bit of everything. So, yeah, I think he'll, you know, raise my uh, respect for him a little bit more. But I'm probably just being optimistic right now. You know, I was Eeyore all day, so I'm just trying to find uh, the good in life right now. Yeah, I, I don't think my opinion on Smythe is going to change. I don't expect him to have a breakout season. I don't think McDaniel's offense really cares to get the ball to the tight end all too much. And I already feel like Durham Smythe is pretty all right. He's pretty all right. He's not great. He's not terrible. He's pretty all right. And I'm I think by the be, end of the – You think he's going to be – The next level of all right. The next level of all right. He's, all he's, right, all right. He's pretty darn all right. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Durham Smythe – is a good football player. I'm happy he's on the Miami Dolphins. I don't think I'll ever feel ecstatic that, oh my God, he's finally broken out and we have a new Jimmy Graham on our hands here. You know, I think he is what he is. He's a little blue collar type player. And and I think uh, that's how I'll feel later this year too. Did, didn't your son watch uh, Madden Sim though, where he had like five <laughs> touchdowns or something? I, so I, de I definitely thought about power. bringing that up. But yeah, he did watch some YouTube simulation. And by midway through the third quarter, I looked up and Durham Smythe had 11 receptions. And I was like, this is not real. So with that, though, I think it's important to know neither you feel think we'll feel worse about Durham Smythe by the end of the year. No. No, I'm I don't just, know what he, I don't know what he could do unless like a critical fumble at you know that costs us a playoffs. Then it's like, yo, damn, you Yeah, he, he was never that's like that's not who he is though, right? I mean, I, I don't know. You're getting he's me never scared, been like Jake. the greatest pass blocker either. It's it's always it's he's been all right. If he can reach he's all right, pretty all right, all right. better than Gasicki. <laughs> if he can reach the all right, all right, awesome. If he reaches all right, all right, all right, then then yes. the Dolphins are going Super Bowl. That changes everything. He's in the Pro Bowl then. If it's all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Merrick, what position group you got for us? Jake, you know what I'm about to talk about right now. It's the same thing meaty I've been men. talking about. I love big, meaty men, boys. Pause. Uh, it's the same position I've been talking about every time I've come on with you guys these last few weeks. I am so concerned about this interior defensive line. I really am. You look at the roster that the Dolphins put out yesterday, uh, the initial 50 man or 53-man roster. For defensive line, they have... 
you know, the starters, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and Raekwon Davis. They have Emmanuel Ogba listed on the defensive line, not as an edge or, or a linebacker. And then they got your guy, Jake Brandon Peely. No Bronson, no Twyman, no whoever the hell else. I know they re-signed. I think it was uh, Hand. I think they re-signed Deshaun Hand, his practice yeah. squad or something like that. Would today. you feel better with them? Is that what you're saying? You feel better with them? They would ease your... <laughs> I just... I just... What's going on, right? What? Where's the depth here, man? Where's the depth? And I know they're not done. And you guys know they're not done. And you know exactly what names I'm going to bring up right now. And I feel like Jake's going to reach through his computer screen and slap me across the face. But God damn it, go get me a, a Linval Joseph. Go get me an Akeem Hicks. And I swear to God, it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to pull all my hair out by the time we, we head to Los Angeles to play the Chargers week one. But you need a quality veteran in this room to help spell some of these guys. Where's our John Jenkins? You know what I mean? Where, where, where's he at? He's missing. He's not here right now. And I know we're, we're, we're excited about what Brandon P. Lee can do for this team, but I thought he had an up and down preseason. I thought there were moments where he looked pretty decent. And then I thought there were other moments where he was getting knocked back off the ball and, and rushing lanes were, were opening up directly where he was supposed to be. And you know what? He's an undrafted rookie free agent. That's okay. Those things are going to happen. So it's on the coaches right now to coach him up and get him where he needs to be. I know he was a he was a, 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 a player in college that had high expectations. And because of injury, he never met those expectations. So the Dolphins are hoping that now that he's fully healed, they could find a diamond in the rough and turn him into what he was supposed to turn into when he was at USC in college. I hope that happens, but I'm not 100% sure that it does. So just in case that it doesn't, I would like a little more insurance along the interior of this defensive line. And, you know, you got this whole Christian Wilkins deal right now. He's back with the team. He's practicing. He's all in for week one and beyond, at least for this season. But what do we do with him after this season? So you hope Peely develops into a guy that if, again, knock on wood, God forbid, Christian Wilkins is no longer a member of the Miami Dolphins in 2024, maybe Peely develops into an average adequate player that you can plug in in that interior defensive line spot. But until then, I'd like to see us go out there, sign one of those veterans, uh, and I'll feel a lot better about this this defensive run-stopping game because that's what that's how teams attack a Vic Fangio-style defense. They want to be able to run the ball. And to counteract, counteract that, you need big bodies in the middle. And I just don't know if the Dolphins have enough pieces right now, and I'd like to see them add one more. So, again, you know the guys. It's Linval Joseph. It's Akeem Hicks. Bring me one. Bring me both if you must. Uh, but I'm looking for the Dolphins to make a move there after they get some of these guys on, on uh, you know, the the pup list and, you know, Ramsey goes and this guy goes and that guy goes and a couple roster spots open up. I think that's when you might see uh, a bigger name veteran defensive lineman come in. And the Dolphins cleared some cap space in preparation for this John Taylor trade that never went down. So, hey, cool. Now we got an extra three or four million. We can throw one of those guys. So I'm all in on that. Yeah, I close my eyes. You almost probably sound like uh, Vic Fangio when he's going up to talk to Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer. 
you know, trying to pitch that they need to go out and do this. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. They absolutely need some depth there, but I am excited about the pieces they have. I mean, are they going to sit here and try to get their money's worth out of all these guys, right? You got Zach, who's already just paid a new deal too. Uh, Christian Wilkins making that money and wants to get paid big. I mean, you want to see him play his best football. Raekwon Davis in a contract year is going to step up. So um, I, I'm interested to see what they get out of these guys, right? I mean, how tough they are. And then you can sit here and see how these defenses attack them. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's definitely a weakness, and the Dolphins need to bring in some depth for sure. Yeah, no, I, I was big Brandon Peely guy going into training camp, but that Jaguars game, I mean, the, Scared entire, me a little bit. the entire defensive core or coaching staff were begging somebody to make a play. So make us keep you on the roster. And I think Peely just uh, start to finish had the strongest camp, but I have to agree. I think they're not done adding here. Um. The interesting, and, and, and I think the monkey wrench is Emmanuel Agu. It's just trying to figure out how to get these guys all in the field at the same time. In a perfect world, you'd love to take that Agba contract, snap it in half, and then there's two guys right there, two middle class, two guys, two John Jenkins, basically. I think they could sign one of those vets that you mentioned, Merrick, but it'd be kind of like the Eagles did it, right? I think they signed Adamakan Sue and, and Lynn, was it, it might have been Joe, it was one of the two. Yeah, it was uh, Limbaugh Joseph, yep. They signed him a little later than, than everyone kind of thought it was after a couple injuries. And then they didn't play that much. They were like a 15 to 20% snap guys. I think Miami might make a move before that. I think they might try to find a way to put Peely on the practice squad. I don't know what the rules are. If you begin the season on the active roster or what, but I do wonder if they'll try to find a second or third year guy, someone again, relatively cheap who can just kind of come in and play 30% of snaps when you're surrounded by a bunch of studs. Man, Peely was out there with a bunch of studs and he's, and he still struggled despite the Jags really telegraphing what they were doing. So I think just kind of finding one of those guys on the waiver wire might be the early choice. And then, Hey, you know, we've made it through seven weeks. Every team's starting to get banged up a little bit. Let's bring in some of these older guys who can, you know, the battery might not be as long, but they'll be able to kind of spark everything. Yeah. And, and I think it was Kyle Krabs on uh, the locked on dolphins podcast. He was mentioning there was a nose tackle type, that was released from the Arizona Cardinals. And he was hoping the Dolphins might make a claim there. Dolphins didn't claim anybody. Um, and I'm not sure that this guy is still available. I want to say his name was Lawrence, Richard Lawrence, something like that. Um, I may have that name wrong, but but he was high on him. And, and you know, he's a, a little bit of a younger guy. Uh, but yeah, somebody like that, a big body dude, you know, in the Raekwon Davis mold that you can just plug in there and say, you don't have to be a superstar. You just have to plant your big ass right here in the middle of the line and don't let anybody get past you. You know, hold a couple guys right here with you. Let's let David Long do his thing. Let's let Jerome Baker do his thing. Come down, make a tackle, shoot a gap, something like that. Um, so you might not need to get one of those bigger name guys, like you said, Jake. You may be able to find, sniff around and get a couple guys that, you know, maybe none of us have ever heard of, but could end up being some quality depth for the Dolphins this year. Yeah, and I just want to say thanks for bringing up Emmanuel Agba, Jake. I was sitting there trying to, you know, I was mumbling my words around trying to remember what the hell I wanted to say. Emmanuel Agba, you know, playing more inside. I think, you know, this could indicate that that might be a plan for them. So getting their money's worth out of that unit up front and hoping that they can stop this run because, um, again, like Merrick said, that's the way these offenses are going to attack a Vic Fangio defense. So it's time to buckle up, right? We're getting closer to the season. The simplest way to describe Emmanuel Agba is that 4-3 defensive end, I, I think. Just that pure pass rusher. He's actually a great run defender, too, but someone who can set that edge. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts because something we heard about Agba this offseason is he's actually been dropping back in coverage a little bit, being one of those outside linebackers who can roam, maybe play those little um, zone defense. 
We've also heard, right, he can line up inside. Not a nose tackle, but he can be one of those uh, guys in the trenches uh, making things a mess. Which do you think he does more in 2023? Drop out and back in coverage, be one of those pure outside linebackers, or just kind of force or uh, be that depth in the trenches? Which, which way do you think they kind of try to lean with him? It scares me a little bit to think about Emmanuel Ogba at this stage in his career trying to learn how to drop back into coverage. Now, it's got to be the he, flat. That's it. And, and he's been great at getting his hands up and swatting some balls. So maybe he could be a great pass event defender. We don't know. But I hope you don't see a lot of Emmanuel Ogba in coverage this year. I'd much rather see him playing in that 3 4 front as an edge guy there. Um, trying to get to the quarterback, you know, he was never a major sack guy, but he always, you know, was kind of up there in that eight, nine, 10 sack range, at least for the, you know, his first couple of years with the dolphins there. And if he can contribute numbers like that or, or similar, uh, production to that, at least on a snap by snap basis and Jalen Phillips, uh, you know, progresses and Bradley Chubb is healthy and, and, and fits well in that Fangio defense. And then you can add, you know, maybe some more pass rush, rust. I'll say it again, pass rush production from Christian Wilkins, who I think right now knows that if he wants to get paid $25 million a year, he needs to sack the quarterback a little bit more. And I'm not going to bet against a guy like Christian Wilkins when he sets his mind to something. So, I mean, you could see a pretty ferocious front here um, if all of these guys step up their games a little bit. So I think I'd rather see Emmanuel Ogba in the middle of that defense trying to get to the quarterback from the interior a little bit more, collapse those pockets. Yeah, he does have that. He does have that matumbo to him, but I'd much rather see him inside than dropping back in coverage. Please, please, none of that dropping back in coverage stuff. Maybe he's a big body. You mentioned he's actually great at batting down passes. Maybe he's just going to be standing in a throwing lane. I mean, You're just that, waving just, his hands. Yeah, exactly. I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that might actually work. You know, I, I'm ready to see it a player too. Um, it, it's interesting, right? We go from this blitz happy Josh Boyer defense, and all of a sudden, we're, we're I feel like we're talking about sacks more than ever. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and then you know, Emmanuel Agbo, Christian Wilkins, two guys who can get to the quarterback from the inside. I, I'm curious to see how this really unfolds with this group. The one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about before we wrapped up here how do we feel about Miami's undrafted free agents as the team went and signed these bigger? price tag guys you're going to need to rely on some acorns some late round draft picks obviously we heard that the dolphins didn't want either of their late round draft picks who have been signed elsewhere but the team decided to keep three undrafted free agents on the roster at least for now brandon peely running back chris brooks and gentlemen i'm gonna need your help because i'm spacing on the julian hill julian Julian hill Hill. it's just so many names going through my head over the last couple days it's so hard to keep up so guys when you see that list who's the first one that you kind of think all right if I can talk myself into this for about five minutes, I could see them having a real impact. Cater Kohu last year, Nick Needham a few years before that. I think for me, and maybe, and this is not to diminish the talents of this player, but I'm looking at the other players in this position room, and that's Julian Hill tight end for me, because I think he has the cleanest path to playing time. There's only two other guys, uh, I guess three other guys, if you include Tanner Connor, but like, what is Mike McDaniel's infatuation with Tanner Connor? Like, why is this guy keep ending up on the dolphins, you know, year after year here, we were all surprised when he made the 53 last year. And and I'm surprised that he's sticking around this year too, but I digress. You got Durham Smythe, you you got Tyler Croft and you got Julian Hill. Essentially you got three guys in that tight end room. Tyler Croft is a, eh, eh, whatever. 
eh, I don't care kind of guy. Durham Smythe, we already talked about. He's pretty all right. Julian Hill, if he can excel in any one thing, blocking, pass catching, whatever it may be, he could find himself on the field more often than not. And for those reasons, for 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 those reasons, his his path to playing time being a little bit easier than than some of the other guys you mentioned. I think my undrafted free agent acorn to watch this year is, is Julian Hill, tight end out of Campbell. By the way, do you guys know Campbell's mascot? I hope it's a can of soup. Soup probably can. isn't. <laughs> the camels. They are the Campbell camels. How soup cool is that? Better. I, I think I'd go soup over camel. Yeah, when was the last cool. time you were scared of a camel? I don't know. They spit, correct? They spit. Yeah, they big, spit. Big right spitters. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just remember being a kid and going to the gas station and they had the the Joe Cool, uh yep. Joe Camel uh posters on the wall. And he did look so cool. He really did. That's probably why I started smoking when I was 17. I don't smoke anymore. I haven't smoked a cigarette in 17 years, but uh but uh yeah, yes. the Campbell Campbell Camels. How about yeah. that? It's Wednesday and we're talking about camels. It's tump day and we're talking about camels. It's perfect. Ah, good. Very Lucky nice. Cheese. Yeah. So so no, I don't smoke anymore, but hopefully Julian Hill will be smoking linebackers and catching balls for the, the Miami Dolphins this year. What do you think? It starts with one catch, right? For someone like Julian Hill. You make that one thirty yard reception and everyone's gonna be begging for more. Um seeing that Mike McDaniel did find ways. All right, Tanner Connor, show us what you got. Braylon Sanders, show us what you got. Channing Tyndall, show us what you got. Injuries or not, there are going to be these opportunities for someone like Julian Hill to make a statement for himself. And, man, it's not going to be a lot of them. I'll tell you that right now, just with the volume that the Dolphins have on offense. He's not going to get many of those opportunities, but I I do think tight end all alone in the end zone, he makes a lot of sense as one of those guys who can uh, surprise you right away. Former tight end, this name, I don't know why. This name just probably because it starts with the same syllable, but I just keep thinking about Julius Thomas. You guys remember Julius yeah. Thomas? Yeah, cup, I, I believe he had a, a cup of coffee, a cup of Former coffee Miami in Miami. Legend, yeah. but, but, he, but he did his damage in Denver with, with Peyton, Manning, Pey, Peyton Manning throwing him the football. Julius Thomas, 6'5", 256. Julian Hill, 6'4", 251. That's pretty close. That's it. I'm calling it right now. Julian Hill, he's, he's going to be a, a, a future pro bowler for the Dolphins. He'll get cut tomorrow. <laughs> so so then what you're saying is that makes two of Peyton Manning, right? Is that what you're getting at there? Yeah, yeah. It's slightly more mobile. Yeah, a little bit. Doesn't have that forehead. Julius Thomas, <laughs> he was a late-round draft pick, too. I think that was that's like a perfect example of just really understanding what someone's skill set is and, and letting them kind of do their own thing. Because I think one of the issues was once he arrived in Miami and even late in his career with Denver, it just wasn't his type of offense. It was like trying to play, uh, you know, Gasicki and, and Mike McDaniel's offense. It just did not work right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested to see. Do, do we think they're done? Could they add someone at tight end in maybe the next – two weeks that would he compete against Julian Hill because this guy is already, you know, he's got a lot of uh, good momentum going his way. Would someone easily just skip over him if they were to sign just, you know, someone off the street, someone cut by another team? Sure. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent for a reason, you know, and I don't think they'd be, I mean, they already let two of their own draft picks go. I don't think they'd be too afraid to let an undrafted guy go. A a tight end that intrigued me when he got cut that I thought maybe the Dolphins might be interested in bringing in. And I don't think he went claimed, uh, or I don't think he was claimed, was Dan Arnold. Uh, when I saw Dan Arnold got cut, I was like, that seems like a guy that could come in and, and be an adequate football player for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, I don't know, just just throwing a name out there if anybody 
you know, has any other names, so I'd be happy to hear it. But I thought Dan Arnold. I remember Dan Arnold doing some decent things for a couple different teams. Dan, Dan Arnold's the, the needle mover. I thought that we were going to sign that dude from uh, Denver, but I didn't know, wouldn't have any idea. Oh, that. God. Albert, 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 that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Albert, oh, hell, I have to pronounce his name now. Yeah. Oh, shit. He's probably still better than everybody else in the tight end. <laughs> I want to talk about the trenches for a minute here. And Brandon Peely, because I think there is a shot he could stick right away. Uh, but not only as fans, but the team itself. Every day before the season just feels like it's getting a little bit longer and longer. Do you feel like the Miami Dolphins coaching staff, everything we've heard about, um, you know, excuse, uh, especially Vic Fangio saying we need more depth, we need more help. Can Miami sit there and stomach having Peely as a backup for so long, uh, so long being 10 days before the season begins? Or are they going to keep looking at that depth chart, look at that Jaguars game where they allowed five yards per carry and, and just not being able to stomach it and must go get someone else before the season begins? It's it's really tough. It's really tough. I personally would go get another player. I mean, you guys know that. I've talked about it ad nauseum. I really would do that. It's just you want to be, you just want to be stout on all fronts in that Vic Fangio defense. You got to be able to stop the run to make everything else work. Uh, and that's where they want to attack them. So I'd go get somebody else. I thought Peely was a little up and down. I understand them wanting to develop. I understand he's got the tools and the traits that they're looking for in a, in a, in a player at that position. I'm just, I'm just not super comfortable with him yet. And if the dolphins are in, in win now mode, if they're in all in mode, then you got to go get me some players that, that can help me win right now. And I just don't know if Brandon Peely is that guy. Jo- Jonathan Taylor would have been that guy. He would have. But, but no, they tried. No. They tried yeah. so much. Yeah. But but no, I, I think they'll probably bring in a veteran defensive tackle, and I do think he can push Peely. But um, uh, how this defense all comes together, you know, it's going to have a lot to do with how the Dolphins' success is this season. Last guy to talk about real quick, Chris Brooks, trying to find a way for him to get on the field. Gentlemen, how do you think it happens? Is it simply just waiting for injuries? Or is Mike McDaniel, the mad scientist, already one step ahead of us? I mentioned it. You know, they had no issue getting Tanner Connor involved. They had no issue getting these other guys involved. Is Chris Brooks going to be – I'll start here. Each week you um, set uh, 46 suit up for each game, 47 now with that third quarterback. How many of the first six weeks is Chris Brooks inactive for? Mm, that's tough because you got. I'll be the guy. You Three. think he's not? He's not. At, all right. So right now, Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson's banged up. Actually, the only healthy running backs at practice today were Raheem Mostert and Chris Brooks. That's it. Devon A. Chain. Devon A. Chain's got the shoulder. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Savon Ahmed. Maybe I don't know. I didn't see that reported anywhere, so I'm not going to speculate. Uh, you know, you got you got Chris Brooks at 6'1", 223 pounds. That's a big dude for a running back, especially. He's absolutely the biggest running back on Miami's roster. He's bigger than Alec Engel, the dang fullback. So uh, he is that power back right now. And I think he's shifty enough to be more than just a power back. I don't think he's a dude that's just going to hit the hole as hard as he can and hope that good things happen. Uh, I, I, I just – he's had a good preseason. And it's against, you know, second team and and third teams. So because of injury, I'm going to say Chris Brooks will be active for one game. One 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 out of six. One out of six. And you know what? For an undrafted rookie free agent, that's okay. 
No, that that would be awesome. And, and I'm actually kind of surprised with the hype you just gave to say one. Uh, that That's like the perfect balance of, hey, I love my football team, but I'm also realistic. Who would ever thought? <laughs> well, I mean, Dolphins are okay at running back. They got some good names. They don't have the, the, the world beater. They don't have the all-star. But Mike McDaniel loves Raheem Mostert. He loves Jeff Wilson. He loves Devon A-Chain. And Salvin Ahmed has done anything and everything he can to be a good soldier and excel when the ball's been given to him. So it's a good running back room. So it's going to be a tough room to crack, but I think Chris Brooks has shown enough to, to be rostered right now. And as long as he sticks on the 53, I think you'll see him active for at least a game. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, this running back room is loaded. I hope to know that he can at least earn some of those reps, right? But I do think, you know, in some of those short short yardage situations, this is going to become our Lusaka Polite, you know, where we're trying to fourth and one, we're giving the ball to big Chris Brooks. He's just running dudes over. I don't know, man. I, I wonder if Christian Wilkins gets his bigger contract by being the fullback. He already did it a couple times. He, <laughs> has, he has a touchdown. I could see him being that guy. Josh, I want you to ignore everything Merrick and I said and give me a number. First six weeks, how many games is he active? Well, I threw out three at first, but that, then I re- realized as he was talking that that's not really realistic. So let's go let's go two. Two games out of the first six, and that's going to be because someone's injured or because they expect to run the ball. Maybe is, it, is there snow? There's no snow in the first six weeks, is there? Rain, a lot of rain. <laughs> Chris oh, Brooks, man. this preseason, 22 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns, a 4.7 yards per carry average. That's pretty good. That's a receiving good. touchdown too, right? Am I wrong? Wasn't there three I touchdowns think you're right. total? Yeah, he had, I think he had three total touchdowns, one, one receiving. That boy I, good. I don't know. It's, just, it's so hard to get, get an idea of what Mike McDaniel wants to do with these running backs, right? I mean, last year, Chase Edmonds was a starter for four weeks, and then he disappeared, and we haven't talked about him all offseason, right? That That's how quickly things can change here in – I'm so surprised they kept all those running backs, man. I am beyond surprised that Chris Brooks made this active roster. How, how quickly things change here. We go from Jonathan Taylor to talking about Chris Brooks, right? I mean, that's how quickly things change around here. He's our savior. I'll tell you what, if Chris Brooks is active for one game, at least through the first four games, that's more than Jonathan Taylor will be. That's a statement to close on right there, man. <laughs> how poetic. Guys, how does it feel when we're doing this next week? I'm only working on a three-day week, which is a nice bonus. We will be gearing up for Chargers Dolphins. Can you believe it? We finally made it. Josh is already like, Jesus, how can we do more content than we're already doing? No, I just realized that we got Herbert and Tua right around the corner, and that's I'm so scared. Internet, I'm so man. scared. I mean, if the, Chargers, <laughs> if the Chargers win that game, they could both throw for 400 yards, but it, that's all we'd hear, and I'm not ready for that. But, yeah, football right around the corner, baby. Woo, fins up. <sighs> I'm terrified. <laughs> I just want this team to be good so badly. Please, baby Jesus. Dolphins. Prayers is the best way to end this. For another Dolphins podcast, Joshua Houtsberg, Brave. Thank you both so much for joining me. Everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with some more Dolphins content. But until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Fins up.